Welcome to Healthy, Wealthy, and Grateful with your hosts, Coach Dave, Heather, and James, where we provide you with the entertainment to bring clarity, balance, focus, and butterflies to your everyday life. Hey, welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Grateful. We're Coach David, myself, James Johnson, and Heather Andrews, a butterfly girl. And Coach David's not with us yet this morning, so we're going to get started here, and hopefully they'll show up. But hey, good morning, Heather. How are you? I'm doing good, James. How are you? I'm very good. You know, if I was better, I'd be twins, because it's a choice, you know? Okay. So so we're here where we made it to the summer. You know, my boysenberries are just going off. I got so many boysenberries, it's crazy. And, you know, peas have kind of run their course. What, what should we be planning at this time of the year? That's a great question. I mean, obviously we're in the warm season vegetables, so it's not too late to get your tomatoes and your squash and your uh, cucumbers, peppers in the ground. Uh, but certainly um, you're going to have to be careful to make sure you keep them watered and probably shade cloth because they will suffer the first few days you put them in until they get established. Um, but, um, you know, I'm already starting to see what I saw in your garden not too long ago, but I've got a few monarch caterpillars already. So uh, clearly the stork dropped them off at my house because I didn't see their wayward parents, but uh, I was really excited to see them on my milkweed. You know, you talk about the, the monarch butterflies and I keep waiting for it, but there's always a period of time every year around this time where all of a sudden they're everywhere. I mean, they're just like, they come flying through and, and it happens for a few days. And I'll see, you know, I'll see five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in a day, but then all of a sudden they'll be like a hundred visible at all times. I'm so, definitely gonna need a video of that for sure. But I think that, um, you know, they are definitely on their journey north. And, um, you know, we had a real dry hot spell here several weeks ago. And so it seems that, you know, they did what they did last year, which is they turned and they went straight north because people in, in, in Canada were seeing them. I actually have only seen one so far, and that was at a nursery yesterday uh, that I'm going to do a walk talk. Um, so where I'm going to walk through with clients and show them the types of uh, plants that they might consider to attract the pollinators. But I think what's important is that, you know, if you're interested in seeing them, that you have a variety of plants in your garden to attract them. So I got a question several weeks ago from another master gardener. And they're like, well, I planted milkweed, but I never got any butterflies. And I said, well, can you tell me what else is in your yard? That's a nectar source. And everything they named from daylilies and irises really don't contain enough nectar for a butterfly, nor is it the right shape. They like flat flowers like um, an echinacea or a coneflower that they can land and drink. So if you want to think about, um, you know, you know, certainly the chocolate cakes of the world this year, there are flowers that they prefer, obviously native plants being number one, but you can also plant things like cosmos um, that they absolutely adore. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure as you tell me that story, how, how that whether I have those types of flowers, actually. I, I do have some that are planted out back, but there's not much milkweed out back. So people would ask, you know, this is healthy, wealthy, and grateful. What, what does gardening have to do with that? I mean, 
well, I we can eat I, well. That's a great question. I think that, you know, right now um, people are being squeezed. I mean, we certainly have seen a tremendous jump in food prices this year. Um, if you want to believe the CPI index or you want to believe reality, um, the average food stuff um, in terms of fresh food has gone up 12 to 20%. That's a significant jump in one year and you're on the financial side. So imagine what that's doing in terms of your dollar purchasing power is severely impacting it. So what can you do to mitigate that? Well, grow food in your backyard would be my first form, you know, suggestion. And um, I think a lot of people are hearing that siren song that, you know, financially, uh, perhaps it's a good idea to have some quote unquote food insurance. Um, and then secondly, if you grow extra food, you know, the, the uh, local food banks definitely suffer from a lack of fresh produce. So if you've got extra produce, consider donating it to your local food bank. I will never have extra boysenberries. <laughs> well, I do understand. And a lot of the berries I fight the birds for. So uh, we have a plant here that's native called service berry, and you can eat those. You can also eat the Coosa dogwood berries, uh, but usually, and I've got cherries out front. I have some wild cherry trees that are about 20 feet tall, but you know, the cherries do fall. It's whether or not I can get to them before the birds do. It's really difficult because we have so many birds right now. Yeah, you know, I'm from Seattle originally, and I can remember that, you know, any kind of fruit you can think of from cherries to apples to, you know, anything cold weather kind of stuff, we have endless amounts of that. Plums, you know, Chinese <laughs> plums, or Chinese cherries is actually what they were, but they were like little tiny plums. We had tons of that stuff, right? We ate that all the time. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of cherries. Which, which cherry is your favorite? Mm. I like the Washington cherries. I mean, you know, we we don't typically grow cherries here locally. I'm not aware that, that they do that. Um, but this time of year, what I really look forward to are the white peaches. So it's not white peach season yet, but they're coming in from South Carolina. Um, and I had my first one last week and they're delicious. But this year, the Thoughtful Gardener has them in her backyard. So I planted two white uh, peach trees last year, and I actually have peaches this year. So wow, that's about, pretty fast to get peaches that, that quick. You know, so rainier cherries are my favorite. You know, yeah, they're, that's they're, it. They're from Washington. So yeah. the Washington cherries, yeah, they're they're the bomb, and you know they're so good for you. Um, in terms of that dark color, they're so full of vitamins. And if you have trouble sleeping, it's a great snack right before bed because it actually has some properties in it that will help you sleep soundly. So um, I love to eat cherries and uh, my nieces and nephews love them too. So um, usually when they come, that's one of the foodstuffs we have. Yeah, they really, you know, make it home from the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. I resemble that remark. I mean, we definitely uh, shop at a lot, lot of the local um, markets here. We are fortunate to have multiple farmers markets this time of year. There's one almost every single day in this community within 10 to 15 minutes of me. So if I want to be on a farm, I can do so uh, pretty quick, um, you know, pretty quickly from my, um, you know, from, from my home. Um, but, you know, if any time I want fresh produce, this time of year, it's usually literally a 15 minute drive 
to a, a local farm or a farmer's market and I can get whatever I want. You know, you were talking about inflation on food. I'll tell you an interesting fact that that's actually quite scary. When they, when they figure out what the inflation rates are, when the U.S. government figures out what the inflation rates are, do you have three things that they don't look at? Food is one of them. Food is one. The two, pick two others. You won't believe it. I think fuel is not in there, correct? Energy. Energy. Yeah. Okay. And the last one? Hmm. I'll take... You should know. I'll, I'll take housing for $1,000, Alex. It's healthcare. It's healthcare. So, healthcare. Holy now, smokes. Now, let me ask you a question. Where do you spend the majority of your needs money? Okay. And I would bet you that a very large portion of it goes to food, healthcare, and energy. Yet, it's not part of the energy cost of, of, of the, the inflation numbers. Now, ask yourself a question. Why is it that they don't use those numbers when determining what inflation is? My understanding is, is this number of how they've calculated for inflation has changed significantly over the last 20 years. And it's kind of like someone is sitting behind the desk tweaking it to fit their needs. So they like to say, oh, well, inflation really isn't happening because a TV that cost $1,500 a year, you know, two years ago now costs $500. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't bought a TV in 10 years now. So it, I don't really care what a television costs you know, it, it, the, you're 100% right. They're not counting the things that you actually consume on a daily basis, which is energy, food, and healthcare. So, so here's the interesting part about this conversation. When, when they put out the inflation numbers, those determine what are called COLA, cost of living raises on Social Security, federal pensions, et cetera. Well, the government is broke, has been very broke for a very long time. And they have this huge unfunded deficit for Social Security, Medicare, and prescription drugs. And what happens is, is they don't want to inflate those numbers because they're already there. And, and you know, anybody that's on Social Security would be going, yep, I understand. And the reason why is because they didn't get their cost of living raise every single year on Social Security. When yep. they do, it's very small. Okay. And if they do, it's very small. So right. you, you go one, two, three years without any raise at all on Social Security, yet the price of gas goes from two fifty to five dollars, and there was no inflation. And you walk in the grocery store. I mean, I, I walked in the grocery store the other day. I bought seventy five dollars worth of stuff and carried it out in one bag. Yeah, so. I mean this this is a reality, and I think that you know people are you know, it's not something I hear people talk about every day, but I certainly, as someone who does the majority of the shopping in my family, it's eye-popping how expensive everything is becoming. And I think there is this perception that you can just continue to treat the dollar as a piggy bank with absolutely not con no consequence. And we're coming to find out that that is exceptionally a dumb idea. And I honestly believe that we really need to start vetting the people who are making these decisions, that they actually understand financial fiscal policy. We've got a policy here that we just found out about that um, our, our schools, for example, we're gonna go off topic for a minute, but it, I'll come back to the financial piece of this. 
where they are being incentivized to put together a masking plan and a vaccination plan for our school children here locally in the biggest school system in, in uh, Pennsylvania, the most the number one school system, they're gonna get about $5 million to put that policy together. Well, you can actually imagine that the reality is, is that you know none of the parents, and especially me as a taxpayer, want them to get this money. We don't want our children masked. I can give you the clinical data why. And we don't want our children vaccinated. I can give you the clinical data why, not the emotional, not, not the, 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 uh, the irrational. I can give you the data that suggests that those things don't need to happen. But of course, there are you know, incentives from the government to push that agenda. So despite the fact that the taxpayers and the homeowners and the people who actually put their children in school are, you know, doing, you know, they, they, they are, they're, they're doing the opposite of what these people want. They, you know, and my point is, is that this $5 million grant or whatever it is, is going to run out. So then there's going to be a deficit and how do you think they're going to make that deficit up? They're well, going to charge me more as a homeowner for taxes. So I, I always try to get people to understand how, just remember, my story is very simple. Do the math, okay? People lie, mathematics does not lie, okay? So if you look at where we're at, okay, we're, we're $28 trillion upside down. We've got $150 trillion that we promised to pay in, in, in Social Security, Medicare, prescription drugs, et cetera. We've, uh, our national budget is 3.2 trillion, which is the amount of money we bring in in taxes. Yet we spent $6.7 trillion more in the last 365 days than we bought in, okay? So let's, let, let's put this in a, a perspective that maybe makes sense to you, okay? You owe $280,000, okay? You make $32,000, but you spend $80,000 every year, $90,000 every year. But let's go back to what the normal numbers are. Forget about the, ex, the extra. You spend, spend $47,000 every year because they spend about $1.2, $1.5 trillion more they bring in. Okay, so you owe $28,000. I'm sorry, $280,000. You spend, you, you bring in $32,000, but you spend $45,000 every year, and you've promised to pay $1.2 million. What are your choices? Well, again, I get why they're doing what they're doing, but I think it's very difficult when you say trillions of dollars and you throw that, that number around, it's extremely difficult to envision what that is. So let's play a little game, okay? So for the people that are driving, I don't want them to drive off the road or fall asleep talking about numbers. So let's talk about a thousand seconds ago, okay? How right. long was a thousand seconds ago? Come on, you do this all the time. Take a guess. Thousand seconds ago was um, probably six months. 17 minutes. 17 okay. minutes, okay. Yep. How about a million seconds ago? Okay, so a thousand million seconds a year. Uh, 12 days, okay. So <laughs> what about a billion seconds? A year. 
31 years. How about a trillion seconds? I don't know. 31,000 years ago. Now I'm going to give it to you in a different form, okay? Right. If you spent $2 million an hour, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it would take 184 years since Napoleon died to spend $3 trillion. The government's budget is $3.2 trillion and they spend at least $4.4 trillion every single year. Without unfunded liabilities like social security. Oh, we haven't, that's not talking about <laughs> the unfunded liabilities or the debt. That's just what they spend, okay? So, so you know, you put that in there and, and I go back always, I always wanna slide back to, okay, why should we be healthy, wealthy, and grateful? Well, I mean, we should be healthy, wealthy, and grateful because the reality is, is that if you sat around and you thought about this all day long, you'd go out and you wanna shoot yourself, okay? Right. So you, you've, gotta, you've gotta stay positive about this. And, and I think gardening is a very, very good way to do that. It is for me. I mean, I, I you know, like last Saturday, I, I put in, I moved, uh, I used to have a, um, a faucet up on that upstairs deck and I put a new faucet in there and I wired in for a drip system and that took me all day but you know what that was a good use of my time and it takes me away from thinking about all the other garbage that's going on in life you know like I, I so I find gardening to be very very I'm very grateful for the fact that I get to do it and, and, it, and it keeps me healthy I think you know well, and that's just it. I mean, there's a lot of mental physical benefits other than just money, but you know, it's my, my goal to give people a double duty in the garden and allow them to provide wildlife habitat at the same time, increase the yield in their garden. So for example, we just did that this weekend, past weekend, where we installed two pollinator gardener gardens in the community garden in New Cumberland, Pennsylvania. Uh, the Board of Realtors was really kind to help and uh, fastest pollinator gardens I've ever installed in my career. Uh, but so I'm super grateful for their help. But the reality is, is that because we've done that, according to the data, there will be a yield increase in that garden for the vegetable gardeners of about 30%. So you're doing great for the, the environment and providing more things for butterflies, but you're also helping yourself. And that's ultimately at the end of the day, if you have more food, more boysenberries you can't eat, maybe you can share those with someone who would enjoy Not going to share my boysenberries. All right. <laughs> All right. Before we um, roll this one out, just explain to us what a pollinator garden is. I'm going to assume that that has to do with just flowers and, and things along those lines. It's not about vegetables. It's about, about attracting bees and things like that, correct? Right. So, I mean, there are a lot of different things that are pollinators, birds, bats, butterflies, insects of all kinds, um, including the butterflies. But essentially what you are doing is providing habitat, so a place for, for the bees to live, and you're also providing a nectar source, so food, which is fuel for those uh, animals. And while they're out gathering food and fuel, they're also gathering pollen, and that pollen then pollinates the next flower and so on. So they're, they're gathering it for themselves and for their other babies, uh, but uh, if they are if it's especially efficient, specifically the native bees are the most efficient. They, they get up early, they stay late, they're the ideal employee, unlike a honeybee who's very fickle and is, lives in a hive and is prone to disease, 
your native bees do the heavy lifting. And here in Pennsylvania, they add uh, several billion dollars to our economy just in apples. Um, so they're extremely important. The challenge for Pennsylvania and for most of the United States is 80% of the land is privately owned and is developed. So the reality is, is that, you know, we as landowners need to be good stewards and we need to provide habitat for these insects and for these pollinators. And in the state of Pennsylvania, we have 2 million acres of grass. So my encouragement to everyone is to consider actually converting part of their lawn. Well, we're healthy, wealthy, and grateful. And when we come back, I want to hear about how bats are pollinators, because I thought they just ate insects, uh, you know, and sucked your blood and things like that. So the um, we're healthy, wealthy, and grateful, Coach David, Heather, Andrew, myself, James Johnson. And we want you to remember to live like you're going to die tomorrow and plan like you're going to live forever, because you know what? You just might. And be sure to go out there and do something for someone that can't repay you as soon as you possibly can. Keep smiling and make it a great day. Bye now. Take care. Thank you for listening to Healthy, Wealthy, and Grateful. Be sure to join our Facebook group. Remember, live like you are going to die tomorrow and plan like you are going to live forever. You just might. And don't forget to stop and smell the flowers along the way.